everybody, welcome to Fresh Out the Podcast. I am the board game guru and game master extraordinaire Jahananan. And the second guy, uh, the comedian, the tabletop titan, the retired disabled detective guy, and also uh, I'm the guy who hasn't seen Spider-Man yet. <laughs> and I'm the professional media and movie mastermind, the funhouse Drew Munhausen, and with great power comes great podcasting. Here we are on episode 24 of Fresh Out the Podcast. That's not even a pun. That was just, you just replaced a word. Mm-hmm. That's wordplay. Would not... it have been better because of the, the P for power if I had said with great podcasting comes great responsibility? Would that have been better just because at least you have the P's? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, I think so. With great we'll run it back. Podcasting. Okay, let's do the let's do the intro again. Yeah, no, just, run it back. No, that's fine. You can run it back. We've got all night. <laughs> all night. Uh yeah. So tonight what are we talking about tonight, Drew? Well, there's a little movie that came out uh, this weekend that I I guess has some people talking and hey, yeah, on the internet. Um, it's a little movie called Spider-Man No Way Home. Oh wow, what's that about? I haven't heard of that at all. Which I was actually looking back, and in hindsight, it's kind of weird to think about how. So Tobey Maguire had three Spider-Man movies, mm. right? Andrew Garfield had two. Yeah, And now, with this Tom Holland movie, with No Way Home, Tom Holland has appeared as Spider-Man in six films at this point. That's I fair. Civil War, Infinity War, and Endgame, and then Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home. I, had to, I couldn't even think of the second one for a second there. But I think it's fair to say that he still had three movies. Yeah, yeah. He has three movies, but he's been in six, and that's fantastic. Marvel's just done a really good job of mixing all their characters like that, which kudos to them. But he still had, he's still been Spider-Man, I guess. Uh, He he has three movies, like the other other guy. Before you turn us off, uh, we are not going to talk spoilers immediately. We will give you a warning. Uh, Pay attention. I'll I'll give you time. I'm going to say it a bunch of times. Uh, I would hate to ruin this movie for you. But first, we're going to... Talk about. Can we talk about Hawkeye spoilers? Can I just throw Hawkeye spoilers out anytime? Or do we? We'll, we'll do we get to that. that I th- there. We'll get there. Let's let's stick to Spider-Man for now. Mm. So here. So here's the thing. We're gonna we're gonna talk Spider-Man. Gary. He said at the beginning, but Gary has not seen No Way Home yet. No. Mm-hmm. Jahan and I have seen it. I saw it. We're recording this Saturday night. I saw it yesterday. Jahan's literally got out of the theater a couple hours ago. From seeing it, so it's very fresh. I was for so scared it was going to get spoiled for me. I had to go see it. Yep, and I think this, and and I think a lot of people felt that way, and we'll we'll talk about that here in a bit as well. But first off, let's just start with with Spider Man as a character for both of you. Like, does is Spider Man like for me? Let me start. Spider Man is probably my favorite of the Marvel superheroes, and always has been. And my introduction to Spider-Man was... I I caught the animated series, the 90s animated series of Spider-Man here and there, but I wasn't like a big webhead at that time by any means. I actually remember, Gary, you might remember this. I remember going to Gary's house as a kid. We were probably in 
maybe a junior high by this point, but uh, there was a a Spider-Man video game that came out on the PlayStation, the original PlayStation. Yeah, I, we played the ever-living balls out of that game, unlocked all the costumes. Yep, um, it was even... made by Neversoft, the same group that did a lot of the all the Tony Hawk games yep, back then. Yep, it sure was. Uh, and you basically web-slinged around from invisible blimps or invisible helicopters because you would just sling forward, left, or right. Uh, you know, it was 3D, right? You oh, which one was this? It was for PlayStation. I think it was just called Spider-Man. Um, and it like it had all the villains. It was a best of. It was a hit, man. It had Lizard. It had Shocker. It had Venom. Was it the uh, same it, one that was on 64? Yes. Okay. Yes, I, I literally... For 64 later. I think I've actually I, shown my cartridge. I still have mine in the other room. Right. I think 64 was weird because they couldn't run the the FMV cutscenes the same way, so I think they were screens with text on N64, whereas in PlayStation it had full motion cutscenes. And yeah, like Gary said, like it had Scorpion and it had Venom and it had Rhino and it had Doc Ock and Carnage and Black Cat was in it, Daredevil was in it, the Human Torch and the Punisher and all these characters showed up throughout the story, so it was really like a... At the time, too, and you know, this was before any of the Spider-Man movies had come out. So Spider-Man was not the phenomenon at that point um, that he is now. But I, Gary and Gary's older brother, play that game. And I just sat and watched it in awe and and got to play it and thought it was amazing. And amazing Spider-Man, huh? Yeah. And I already was interested in the character, and it wasn't that long after that that Marvel started the Ultimate series of comics, and they did Ultimate Spider-Man, which was Brian Michael Bendis writing and rebooting the series, basically, with a more modern take and modernizing some of the villains that ran alongside. It was adjacent to the Amazing Spider-Man main comic line was still running. The Ultimate Spider-Man line was separate and it was perfect timing for me as a kid getting into comics because i loved spider-man and really could feel like i was reading from the beginning and, and I so think that ultimate spider-man kind of helped kick off that ultimate universe didn't he that was one of the first big ultimate books it was the first that, uh, that style of that first <laughs> ultimate spider-man is iconic and, and the, i think yeah the ultimate universe is huge uh, that version of Spider-Man, I'm a really big fan of. Uh, I was not so big on the original, I guess, like 30-year-old Peter Parker. Uh, but I did like when they tuned him back down to 15, 16, and the ultimate Spider-Man was a lot more trash-talking. Uh, he, he he talked trash in every single panel. Uh, instead of having quips like Spider-Man did, he was just very funny. I, I, that's what I got won over by Spider-Man, absolutely. I love those ultimate runs. And the ultimate runs, I think, really influenced a lot of the movies and a lot of the MCU in general. Because, you know, the Ultimates and some of the other series that took off from there, a lot of the way characters looked or, you know, some of their more modern takes in Ultimate transferred over to the movies. Well, like, it, you know, it, the ultimate version of Nick Fury was was kind of drawn to look like sam jackson and then that's right we know sam jackson ended up playing him in the movies but before ultimate spider-man where ultimate nick fury was introduced you know nick fury was a white dude so it's you know worth noting and even electro the kind of blue bald look like that was an ultimate spider-man thing that they ended up taking that's right the other electro wore green spandex and a yellow starfish hat <laughs> right 
So that's that really got I, me on board. I remember of that Spider-Man. <laughs> and then of course by the time I was so I was a big fan by the time the in 2002 when the the first Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie was coming out, I was all in on Spider-Man already at that point. And it was big... right after that movie, uh, the, the the movie Spider-Man video game tied into it. And there was a Spider-Man game for PlayStation 2. And mm-hmm. that one was markedly better. And mm-hmm. at the very end, when you beat everything, you unlocked Green Goblin and you could fly around the city on the Green Goblin, uh, uh, the hover craft, I guess, the hoverboard, and throw pumpkin bombs. And it was dope. I remember it fondly. Spider-Man has always been a great character good movies. Uh, I don't like Tobey Maguire movies. I'm sure we'll get into that in a second. Uh, but great video games, great character, and I think Spider-Man has some some staying power. And especially I think the Ultimate Spider-Man and Miles Morales to me are much more interesting than the 30-year-old reporter uh, Peter Parker. Yeah. So Yeah, I'm also so, funny enough, Spider-Man is also probably my absolute all-time favorite Marvel character. Uh which I don't know. Uh, it's funny. We both like the same one. Whatever. Um, but yeah, I've been a fan for a long, long time since I was very young. Um, I remember getting the comic books uh, with my uncle when I was like nine. Uh, I I would just get the ones that look cool. I remember getting like the Spider Verse ones that just had all the characters on it because I thought that was really cool. Uh, and then I remember uh, what cinched it for me was actually a Spider-Man crossover with Blade. Uh, which that, that just did it for me. That was awesome. It was fantastic. I loved it. Uh, I feel like it made its way into the, the cartoon as well. Uh, but I could be imagining that. I also love the cartoon. I played, uh, the games just like you guys. Uh, my favorite, one of my favorite toys growing up was Hydro Man with the like squirting fists. <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, I've always loved Spider-Man. I love, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm the kind of fan that when I like something, you guys know, I go all in, I'll consume all of it, I don't care if it's good or bad, I just want to know it. Uh, and so that um, same... I'm going to say something, and I don't know if it's true as I'm saying it, maybe we can digest it. I think maybe Spider-Man and Batman have the most iconic villains. And... The uh, best the best rogues gallery, maybe. I think so. I think that might be true. And I'm try I was trying to think about it and think some examples before I said it out loud. And Spyros like we were talking about, all those villains, Sandman, Hydro, Lizard, Doc Ock, Green Goblin, uh they're so cool. I don't know if I said Rhino. I'm I'm a huge fan of, you know, the big guy, Rhino Smash. And it's a, a Russian special elite soldier who's stuck in a mechanical suit. Uh, it's it's great. His the characters are cheesy, but they're also dangerous. Uh, a lot like Batman, where you know the it's a scarecrow. Don't right? forget, like, don't forget about the jackal. Uh, you know, it's a clown. And Spider Man has Craven the Hunter. You know, it's another yeah. cheesy, but but he's he's somehow scary at the same time. Chameleon, he's kind of cheesy and scary. Mysterio is one of my favorite villains of all time. Um, he's just a Hollywood special effects guy. Uh, that is basically a, a, a gadgeteer illusion wizard. Uh, he just there's so many great heroes or so many great villains in their rogues gallery for for Batman and Spider Man, and, and that's a good hero has to have good villains. Uh, Lex Luthor is cool for Superman, but I don't care about Brainiac. I'm, I'm not psyched for a Brainiac movie. 
Um, but I was psyched to see Doc Ock in a movie. You know, I was psyched when I saw the trailer. So uh, it, I think that there's something to say there about how iconic his villains are. No, you're well, not wrong. Uh, it's not just it's not just the villains. Though. The villains, yes, the villains. I, I I would agree are probably some of the best. But like the whole Spider Universe, um, it goes it goes to such interesting places. Um, especially with like his tie in, he ties in with a lot of really cool characters very well, like Venom and Carnage, uh, and also like the weirder stuff, like the Clone Saga. Uh, I actually really like it gave Houston its first superhero, which was Kane, uh, the Kane version of Sky- Scarlet Spider. That series was canceled too soon. It was fantastic. Uh, and then Superior Spider-Man as well. I feel like you That's would really... exactly what I was yeah. to get into. It's like just how bizarre some of the Spider-Man storylines so have gotten weird. over the years. And the part where Doc Ock literally like, took over Peter Parker's body, essentially, yeah. to put it lightly. Um, it became the superior Spider-Man. Ah, there's just so many crazy storylines that they've done. Yeah, and when uh, when Doc Ock is in Spider-Man's body in that comic run, for the first time, he punches somebody and, like, kills them. Because he's like, holy shit, I'm really strong. And that's when he realizes that Spider-Man is literally always pulling his punches. He never punches someone as hard as he can because he's a monster when it really comes down to it. Uh... And in some of the comics, he actually literally becomes a monster. Uh, when he transforms, he grows the arms. I love that side Man of things. Spider. Man Spider. I it's love... It's a dumb name, but it is a really iconic look. It really <laughs> it's so cool. And I love when it gets into the magic part of it, the, the, the being favored by the spider god, which is really funny. Uh, and then, like, Madam Web and all that stuff. And also his, like, his secondary characters are very great. Uh, like, uh, Shadowcat, fantastic. Um, all the spider offshoots, um, like, uh, not Shadowcat, sorry, Black Cat. Yep. Yeah, uh, my bad. Uh, and then there is, uh, like, Silk, Miles Morales, like, all of them, just boom, boom, boom. They have, uh, so many good runs coming from this one thing. Uh, I, I think it's, it's some of the, it's definitely the best some of the best Marvel has to offer, period. Like that uh, Spider-Man, as a character, he is always in New York. Uh, he's not going to be anywhere else. He's going to be in New York because he is the perfect New York character. The web-slinging works so well in New York. It's so cool. It's iconic. And that puts him in a really cool place in Marvel lore that if it's going down in New York, Spider-Man's there. And so he's been part of all of these superhero teams. You know, he's been part of the X-Men. He's been part of Fantastic Four. And he is just this real central plot character that everything can involve Spider-Man. Yeah. So so that being said, you know, talking about some of the, the films, which we don't have to get into, like, all the history of the movies and all the politics about sony with the rights and you know eventually marvel studios kind of getting their hands in the cookie jar to have spider-man cross over there's all that stuff just talking in general about the the past and present franchises like do y'all have a favorite of the spider-man actors like gary you obviously already said you're not a fan of of the toby Maguire spider-man movies but like 
are you a big Tom Holland fan or? Oh yeah, I'm a Tom Holland guy all the way. Uh, it, it, it is strange to me that there's even a debate. Tom Holland is, to me, he is so perfectly what I envisioned Ultimate Spider-Man to be, the snarky, shit-talking, but he also has this really funny vibe that he's like the new kid on the block, so he's friendly in his shit-talking. He almost doesn't mean any offense by it, but it comes across as super arrogant. Uh, I, I love it. I really thought they did a great job of getting that vibe through. I, I, I think that uh, Tobey Maguire, I just don't, I don't think Tobey Maguire is good in anything i don't like his stupid face and i don't like his bad acting mm -hmm. he's pretty low range uh i don't like toby mcguire uh, he should never have been spider-man i thought the first spider-man movie was really cool uh, and then i thought they kept getting worse i thought the first toby mcguire was the best of toby's and then the second was worse the third was unwatchable oh, no the second's the best one of those for sure um, and I yes oh, yeah, I yes right. it the is second, the second, second one with Doc Ock fantastic yeah. James Franco does kind of suck all of the energy out of the movie in the first one uh, I'm a Franco fan for life but he is bad in that movie hmm it's an interesting stance to take on James Franco Gary uh, uh, I like James Franco in most stuff it's just uh, not <laughs> not that he's really bad in that one. Uh, I know uh, Franco's also had some trouble outside of acting, but uh, we'll leave that out of this for now. Yeah, as an as an actor, you know, or, or some of the movies he's been in, it's a, it's you're you're allowed to like those. But yeah. yes, <laughs> yeah, that's right. I, I liked Franco, should I say? Um, yeah, that's good. Where, so like so is the good. second. So the Toby Maguire. So his second one, Doc Ock. Mm -hmm. Doc Ock goes hard. Um. And then the Andrew Garfield ones, I thought, were generally pretty forgettable. Yeah, I agree, which is unfortunate because I actually thought Andrew Garfield was a great Spider-Man. Like, I thought he was a great Peter Parker in those. But those movies just were the wrong time, wrong place, wrong director, wrong writer. Like, everything about it was wrong, and so they just... We're kind of like dead on arrival, which is a shame because I thought he was fine, but you know, I think those did in in as far as the history of the movies go, I feel like people don't really talk about the Andrew Garfield ones. People will still maybe revisit the Toby ones. But I think that the you know, Tom Holland has really taken the crown in most people's eyes. John, what are your thoughts? I I mean, I would agree, Tom Holland. Uh, most people would agree. Um, but when so when the Andrew Garfield movies came out, I actually loved them. Uh, I didn't start to dislike them really until like time had passed and I'd watched them a few more times and I started having problems with certain things. But like, I loved uh, uh, the Lizard. I loved uh, Electro was cool. Um, I felt like it got appropriately dark, which. Um, I feel is necessary in a lot of, a lot of, uh, I don't know. Maybe I just, maybe I just like edgy stuff. I don't know. Gary, Gary's played games with me that I run. I, I do a lot of edgy stuff, but I feel like superheroes and tragedy really go hand in hand. And that's very present in the Tobey Maguire and the Andrew Garfield runs. Uh, 
and they it really brings a lot of emotionality to both of those and a lot of realism and a lot of relatability to those characters uh toby mcguire i mean that was the first time we saw spider-man on screen you know uh like holy crap that was fantastic like no 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 question the first two movies like i was all in i was i was so happy i had issues uh with like his his sphincter wrists and you know that kind of stuff <laughs> you know it's there are little problems but like as a whole uh those first two are great the third movie is garbage <laughs> but um and i also really cuz i also really wish they had gotten to go through with Bruce Campbell as Mysterio, because um, that was a plan that they were. Because he's in all the movies, uh, and he was gonna be Mysterio, but then it didn't happen because the third movie was trash. Uh, <laughs> you can't, you can't have a bad Venom. You can't do it if you have bad Venom. You just can't do it. You can't have bad Venom. He has to be good. Venom's an important uh, character. Venom's a, an awesome character. And when you fuck him up, it fucks up the movie. Uh, Do you remember... Sorry, this is kind of getting off topic, but it's related to the Toby no, movies. Do you remember the first ever teaser that dropped for the first Spider-Man, for the first Spider-Man movie? Because yeah, it's been too long. Had, it had Spider-Man laying in a hammock made of web in between the Twin Towers. No, so he wasn't laying in it. Uh, I mean, maybe that was a thing. What I'm thinking of, there's a long helicopter. Are those movies and, that old? And mm-hmm. you see, yeah, so wow. th- there's, it's a helicopter that's being chased, or, you know, like criminals that get in a helicopter and they're trying to escape. And then this the helicopter gets webbed up and you and mm. eventually the camera pans out and the, the helicopter is stuck on a giant spider web between... Uh, the Twin Towers, and so, and then it cuts to a quick montage of Spider-Man swinging around, and not long after that teaser came out, the 9/11 happened, and so it basically like that trailer got scrubbed and you couldn't <laughs> find Jesus. it anywhere, and I know that in I believe in the end of the first Spider-Man movie, there were originally shots of him swinging throughout the city and you could see the world trade center. And I believe they edited it out to, so that it was not seen in the movie. Cause it, it came out literally months after, uh, 9-11 happened. So anyway, that was just, that's still like, I remember see, they should have being... made uh, Mark Wahlberg, uh, Spider-Man. And then they could have had the tagline. Spider-Man would have stopped 9-11. Yeah. So. In case you, <laughs> in case you don't remember oh, Mark Wahlberg saying that he could have stopped nine eleven, uh, but I remember downloading that original teaser on my, you know, DSL internet, whatever I had at that time. Downloading, you oh know, taking God. three hours to download the QuickTime movie file that was, you know, a minute long, and watching it over and over and over again, thinking it was the most amazing thing. Uh, I, I'm sorry, kids. You can suck on this butterscotch while Uncle Drew tells his story. <laughs> uh, DSL, holy crap, man. What are you then, doing? I feel so and then old. You talked, you talked about liking the amazing movies. And, I, and I'm and i the same. I'm such a Spider-Man fan that like I was always going to find things to like about them. But I remember walking out of the theater of Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 and being like, Best Spider-Man movie I've ever seen. Like best, yeah. best ever. It was and good. Then, 
And then I've started reading the reviews and seeing that critics were kind of taking a dump on it. And now, in hindsight, I look back on it with, like, there are some problematic things. There are. In it or things that don't hold up. But at the time, I was like, this is the greatest thing ever. But I also yeah. understand the, it didn't make very much so as the, much money as I thought it would and all kinds of stuff. The important things for Spider-Man to have, I feel, for me to like it, right... He's got he's to gotta talk the talk, you know? Uh, and he has to do the super science thing. He has to. Uh, a lot of people forget how integral a part of his character that is. He's a genius. Um, and then, you know, he has to be a good Spider-Man. I, I feel like those are uh, the trifecta of, you know, he's got to talk, he's got to be smart, and he's got to uh, do cool Spider-Man stuff. The heart, I think heart of gold my... helps, too. Which I think is why Tom Holland, I think, kind of embodies the perfect Spider-Man. He's he's just the right age. He has just the right amount of quick wit and kind of sarcastic teen about him, even though I know he's not a teen <laughs> anymore. But then also, like, a lot of the parkour-type stuff he can do in real life. He, so he just lends himself really well to Spider-Man. And, um, yeah, well, I think, uh, is there anything else y'all want to add about the kind of the other movies in general? Um, I've I've always been a huge fan of Venom. I always had like a Venom T-shirt ever back since like junior high. Same. Um, so, so I, I there was a Venom game for like Super Nintendo, uh, where you could play as Venom and Spider Man or the different Venoms and beat people up as the different symbiotes. That was uh, and, it was it a red cartridge? Yes. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and it was it was awesome. I loved it. Uh, I've always been a fan of the symbiotes, and so I haven't seen the newest uh, Venom movie, but I've heard that it it is technically like there there's something in it at the end that makes it part of the Marvel verse uh, with like a, an elbow nudge, which I think <laughs> is is kind of weird. I'm gonna have to go back, I guess, and I, I guess I have to see. You it. know, thinking back, I think I plum forgot to watch the second one. <laughs> do you have it somewhere or what you just forgot to rent it yeah like just, like i was I waiting it for it became available to rent okay yeah i was waiting for it to become available i haven't seen it yet wow look at that that's funny uh, sorry that was funny well no comment i won't say anything about that yeah, yeah uh, okay i've always been a huge venom guy we talked about that on the stream before too you know uh i like the different forms Venom takes, once again, I love Agent Venom. I think that's one of the coolest things they've ever done with the character. Yeah. Um, then the whole King in Black series, uh, where they talk about the god of all symbiotes. Uh, it gets so crazy. Um, I don't know. I, I think his name is Null, and he likes to kill gods. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Well, we won't we won't go too far down the venom rabbit hole because that's a whole other pod that we could do. We, that's sure. true. We, we love the Spider Verse. I think is what we're trying we to love say. It. All all yeah. sides of it. Uh, so, we love the villains. We love the heroes. We we love the, the it, side characters and their side arcs. And it is also worth mentioning that pretty much a hundred percent of the Spider Man video games slap like. Oh, Michael nice. Michael Keaton's vulture slaps so hard it's worth it. It was so yeah, fantastic. <laughs> Let's so okay. So the new so No Way Home. Jahan yeah. and I have both seen it. 
we're not gonna we so if you stay tuned to the end of the show Jahan and i are going to talk about some of the spoilers in the movie gary will be walking away at that point but for now Jahan, i do just want to get some some early thoughts reactions from you on the movie of course non-spoiler right now and here's and here's the thing i know that that spoilers are different to different people but for this point, what I will classify as a non-spoiler is anything that has been seen in the trailers for No Way Home. So I know that Doc Ock is in it. Right. So That's I think that it's, it's worth noting that, you know, we talked about all the past Spider-Man movies. And we talked about his rogues gallery and how how cool some of the villains are. And some of the villains have already been portrayed really well in the past films, regardless of how you feel about the movies as a whole or the actor playing Spider-Man. A lot of the villains were really, were done really well. And so, you know, we do know that, that like Doc Ock is, is back in this one, whatever. But Jahan, I'll just say in general, did you, did you like the movie? (laughs) Uh, absolutely. Good, good. I also liked it a whole lot. I think that, it's going to get a lot of very positive fan reaction, which I think will blind. I don't want to sound mean about this because I loved the movie, yeah. but I think that there's going to be a lot of people that are blind, blinded to any criticisms that can be thrown at this movie. Um, which we'll get to what criticisms, you piece of shit <laughs> <laughs> in the, in the spoilers. But, um, I also really liked it. Um, I think that it's a pretty cool culmination of the Tom Holland Spider-Man world and and what they've been doing with those and and with the MCU in general. Um, I think it's cool because there's a lot of MCU stuff in in action here. Just as as long as, as far as like, um, you know, we're still seeing similar to Hawkeye. Like you're seeing things. I was just gonna the, say, yeah, you're like memorializing Captain America and things like that. Like we're seeing in Hawkeye. So I don't think it's a spoiler to say any of that. I, and I, I'm so scared to say too much more, just because. Yeah. Really hard to even express thoughts or opinions so, I mean, of the movie without. True, but we I can. Know that you guys yeah, both good. just saw it. What do you give it? Like out of five or out of ten? What's your? Ten. It's I, okay. I know this is quick, right? It's so. Ten. Jahan's giving it a 10. Drew, where are you at? And I'm probably at like... Don't make me. Don't make me find... I will find you, Drew. 8 out of 10? Yeah, that's probably where I'm at. Like an 8 or an 8.5. Like, it's very... It's great. I feel like like no one could argue with a 9. I feel... Well, I mean, 8.5 is fine. 9 is probably pretty accurate. Like, is this I might just be too biased. Is this going above, like, Endgame... In your MCU rankings or something like that. Man, why? This is like Sophie's Choice, dude. <laughs> I cry every time I watch Endgame. Regardless of, like, it just, I can't help it. It just, man. I don't, I go I don't know. And, I go back and watch the last hour of Endgame relatively I think I've often. seen Endgame seven or eight times. And there's probably things in this new Spider-Man movie that I'll, I'll do that too and re- and revisit, especially certain. Oh, I'm slots. I'm seeing this new one again in about in less than a week on my birthday. 
I'm honestly probably going to go see it again too. And uh, and also, this is something I wanted to note that's not a spoiler. So, obviously, we're in the midst of of No Way Home's opening weekend and box office numbers. And right now, the early so early early reports were saying No Way Home would probably make about 150 million dollars at the box office this weekend, which I think the highest grossing movie uh, or the highest opening weekend box office gross previous to this was Venom Let There Be Carnage that made like high 80s, close to 90, I think, which was more than Shang-Chi and more than um, it, I think it made more than Black Widow's opening weekend. So that was the highest. So 150 was obviously going to be the highest and definitely the highest of the pandemic era. And after the Thursday night showings, or Thursday afternoon night showings, it made, I think, over 50 million, like just on Thursday. And the new estimates are putting it <laughs> 250 million. I, I'll put it to you this way, Drew. Uh, I checked ticket availability several times. Every time I went to buy, there was a nine minute wait to get onto the Cinemark website. Which yeah. is, I don't think that's like, like, these showings are sold out like days in advance. Like you have to go early, and or you have to sit in the the crappy seats up front. Like this this month this movie's gonna make money for sure. So if the estimates are right and it makes give or take a little over under two hundred fifty million dollars, that's gonna put it from the, the the articles that I read. I believe that puts it as the seventh best box office opening weekend box office of all time <laughs> let alone during the pandemic so it's not it's not one of those movies that's going to have a great box office weekend for the pandemic you know considering the pandemic it's going to have an all-time box office weekend which it's i bananas. think shows and which is kind of crazy because we're in the midst of like the omicron variants news right now <laughs> yeah and, everything but this is obviously the big event movie that people are willing to go out to theaters for especially considering i loved west side story west side story struggled to make 10 million dollars last weekend so nobody was going out to see west side story and i get it everybody's going out to see spider-man um gary who i don't think has gone to a theater to see a movie during since the pandemic started has plans to go see no way home later on this week. So he's going to be getting out to see it. I think there's a lot of people that are doing that. So it's just worth noting, you know, this is kind of, this is the one people have been waiting for. This is the one that people are going to get out to the theaters to see. So I was actually upset. I logged into Disney plus on Friday and was like, I'm fully willing to pay your $36 bullshit rental fee to watch this movie. And of course it's the one that's not on there. But I would have paid their outrageous, stupid fucking fee. Um, no problem. For the premium access or whatever yeah, they were yeah, calling it. Whatever, man. This this would have been one of those times. It would have been worth it to me to not have to go to the theaters and pay full price to see this. Um, now I'm going to go to the theaters during this Omicron variant, which is a smart idea. But if I had to choose between seeing Spider-Man before I die or dying and not seeing Spider-Man, I guess I'd rather see Spider-Man before yeah. I die. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, you know, I I, I sat in, uh, there's, in the handicap row, there's one chair that's not handicapped, and I sat in that chair. Uh, and so I was alone. No one was sitting next to me. And there's a lot of space in the, the theaters that they use for newer ones. And I have all three of my shots, and I wore a mask. So I felt... Okay, uh, if you're listening, 
go get vaccinated, you dipshits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I went on a Friday morning at a 11 a.m. showing, yeah. and it was not very crowded. So if you want to go, yeah, go during, if, if your work allows. I know that not everybody's able to do this, but, you know... If you're able, a weekday matinee showing is always nice to avoid crowds. However, we are, I think kids are now out on Christmas break, so, you know, Correct, there's true. no school holding them back. But uh, uh, The problem I had in the theater yeah. was not the small children, it was the adolescent older kids. Uh, if you are old enough to understand me talking right now, and you're in a movie theater, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Oh my god! I had there's these kids behind me. They're like, oh, the thing happened. Look, look, look at that! Wow! And then they're like, oh, that's that's this. And like, it's like, shut up! You're not like everyone's seen the same things. You're not telling. I don't know. Sorry. I go to the movies a lot, so I experience these feelings that you're having a lot. So it's just nice to see them vocalized by somebody other than myself. Okay, I have a question for you guys. Why don't you tell those people to shut the fuck up? Uh, the ones, the ones in my theater, they, I, I, they weren't really bugging me all that much. I could only hear them every now and again when it got quiet, and you know, it's fine. It wasn't, you know, I just didn't want to deal with anybody. I think the sad part is in our day and age is that I am hesitant to tell people to be quiet or or to say anything because, just unfortunately, a lot of people will will take that and just make your life even worse yes um for having called them out so i am usually what stinks is that a lot of shows now are you know assigned seats and things and you don't know where other people are seating but most often now if there are people around me that are bugging me i will just get up and move to a different seat i have no problem doing that i am Um, uh, confrontational and irrational so if somebody is doing something (laughs) like an ass face i will let them know that they're being a full-on dip clown and uh, then we'll, we may exchange words. And I'm okay with that. I have nothing to lose by letting a jack wagon know that they are, in fact, a jack That's fair. But yes, I please did, be considered in the movie theater, everyone. I did have an experience uh, like that where I could not keep my mouth shut uh, recently. Well, not that recently. So back when the New Mutants came out in theaters, uh-huh. so this was over a year ago and it was right when movie theaters had just reopened like around the time that Tenet was coming out and New Mutants was out and I love going to the movies and so I put on my mask and took my hand sanitizer and I went and saw the New Mutants in theaters and there was like maybe one other person in the theater with me and then two teenage kids came in um, and for whatever reason I don't know what they were doing but they kept going up and down the stairs in the middle of the movie, leaving the theater, coming back, leaving, coming back, making noise when they did it. And just it was like they like their parents had dropped them at the mall and said, go have fun. And they were just running amok and there probably weren't many people at the movie theater. So they thought they could do whatever they wanted. And I think this might have been the first movie that I had seen back in theaters after them reopening. But I confronted the kids as they were coming back into the theater i heard them coming in and i went and confronted them in the hallway and i said something along the lines i think i cursed at them but i don't know what i said um exactly but i basically told them hey look i've been waiting a long time to come back to the movies and i don't know what you guys are doing but either sit in your seats or leave because you're bugging the crap out of me (laughs) and they had 
the fear of God in their eyes, and they both <laughs> said, I'm so sorry, sir, and they sat in their sheets for the rest of the movie and didn't move, so it did work. Uh, but that's the last See, time in recent memory. That's that great to hear. Sometimes being people. confrontational absolutely works. Uh, they, did, just need, they just needed an adult to sell them to fucking pay attention to the movie that you're paid to see. Like, stop running around, jackass. <laughs> so anyway, well, okay, so we will, let's, let's get into our um, damn fresh, kids. Out, fresh out the box takes for the week, and then Jahan and I will get into Spider-Man spoilers at the end of this episode. Gary will, uh, will walk away for that time, and Jahan and I will make sure to make everybody aware that spoilers will be will be happening. Yeah. No, no. Fair enough. Yeah, we'll, Fair. we'll let people know. Um, well, we'll go through some of these things kind of quickly, I think, because that was actually a pretty lengthy Spider-Man discussion. It was an awesome Spider-Man discussion. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I'll go through just a couple quick things that I've been watching, if that's okay. Yeah, go. Is that okay? You, you do you, Drew. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you know, I had mentioned last week that I saw West Side Story and loved it, and so I uh, wanted to revisit some more uh, recent Spielberg to see. Yeah, I mean, this is what I do. The Gary threw his arms up in... in see, what is happening? In uh, frustration. What do you mean? You, it's weird the way Drew watches movies. He He watches one, and then instead of watching whatever comes out next, then he goes and watches an entire filmography. I do uh, that sometimes. This, I haven't gone back and watched every Spielberg. I know, John, I see you shaking your head like, what's the big deal? Imagine if you listened to a song on the radio and you were like, I like that song. And then you went and listened to the entire discography of that artist. People literally do that all the time, I including me. Do it. Drew is one of them. He does it all the time, though. He doesn't do it every now and then. That's what Drew does. It's his thing. I mean, if I it's, hear a song uh, I like, cool. I'll... I mean, yeah. when he does it, I'm just like, what? It's because he's a, uh, it's because he's a completionist. It bleeds into his video games too. He has to hundred percent stuff and find all the collectibles. And... You remember that time that game came out uh, two days ago and Drew already one hundred percent it. Talk about that eventually. I have it on the list. For <laughs> Honestly, it was uh, very impressive, Drew. Very impressive. Well, <laughs> somewhere in between impressive and disgusting. Well, sometimes I think he's lying about having a wife and child. <laughs> I I watched Bridge of Spies, which is a Steven Spielberg movie from 2015. 15, yeah. thank you. And uh, I watched it because Steven Spielberg obviously has a lot of bangers, uh, you know, a lot of all-time classics, Jurassic Park and Jaws and E.T. and Close Encounters and, you know, the list goes on and on. Um, I even love a lot of his early 2000s stuff. Like, I love Minority Report and Catch Me If You Can and a lot of those. Um, but a lot of his movies in the last, like, decade or so, I don't think go on his, you know, all-timer list. Obviously, he did Lincoln, the historical epic, you know, get the... Daniel Day-Lewis got an Oscar and playing Lincoln, but it's, I mean, it's just a slog to sit through. Like, I'm going to be real. I'm not saying it's a bad movie because it's really well made, but man, it's just not one that I'm like, oh, it's Saturday afternoon. Let's watch Lincoln. Like, it's just, that's not going to happen. But I remembered watching, seeing Bridge of Spies in theaters. I had never rewatched it and I remembered really liking it. And so I wanted to revisit it as a Spielberg of the last 10 years or so that I did really like. Have either of you seen this movie? No. No. 
It's going to sound really boring when I describe it to you. Is it, it's about, is it it's a suspension bridge or like is an this arch? Is this a follow-up to Bridge to Terabithia? Is yeah, a that's a good question. It's not, but there is a bridge. There is literally a bridge <laughs> oh, okay. in the movie. What kind of bridge? Is, that, uh, oh, of spies. I'm sorry. My bad. Of course. Which the bridge is not made of spies, but there are spies the on the bridge at one point. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Drew. I'm sorry. Tom Hanks plays a lawyer during the Cold War who is asked to defend a bridge. Soviet <laughs> asked he a Soviet spy is caught in the U.S. They're giving him due trial. They ask Tom Hanks to defend him, but Tom Hanks, being a good lawyer, act actually defends him, um, which makes a lot of U.S. citizens very upset in the movie. But, um, of course, they all want to kill the spy, and he recommends keeping the spy alive because, in his mind, there's only a matter of time before the Soviets capture a American spy, and we could possibly do an exchange. And that's basically kind of the setup for the film. It is um, actually a really great movie, um, but it's definitely not one that it's like... You know, I'm, I really want to watch this action-packed, you know, feel-good film. It's not one of those, but it's very good. And I enjoyed re-watching it uh, for what it's worth. I think it's one of the better Spielbergs that's come out in recent years. But that is why I watched it. So that's a thing that I did. And I have a podcast that I talk on, and now you guys get to listen to me talk about this. So <laughs> hey, no issue. No, it sounded really cool. Uh a lot less boring than you're sound, making it out to be. It does uh, not sound really cool. I thought it sounded dope. Uh, <laughs> make sure to hit us up on Twitter with hashtag Bridge of Spies to Terabithia. Thank you very much. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> um, another film that I watched, which, talking about old movies, I watched Nightmare Alley, which is a 1947 movie that's based on a book and i watched this because i don't know if either of you know but there's a modern a new version of this movie that's out in theaters this weekend and spider-man's getting all the attention but there is a remake of of nightmare alley that just came out starring bradley cooper and directed by guillermo del toro so i am excited Uh, yeah we saw the preview at resident evil yeah, so I'm good. very excited to see that, but um, of course I saw Spider-Man first, but I have plans to see the new Nightmare Alley, but in the meantime, I watched the uh, the 40s version of it, which actually was pretty good. So I enjoyed it. I don't really have that much to say about it. Um, I guess I kind of know a little bit more of what to expect from Guillermo del Toro's uh, version of the movie, and I can see why he decided to adapt it, because... Um, the beginning, the first act of it, a lot of it takes place in carnivals and with carnies. And so, of course, Guillermo del Toro's vision and his creative side, I think, lends itself well to that kind of atmosphere. So I'm excited to see what he does with it. Um, but this version of the movie was uh, was really good. So I look forward to seeing the new one. I hope it's a shot for shot remake, except with a fish person. That's what I hope. Which it would not be beyond uh, GDLT to to do, honestly. He loves them fish folk. Uh, and then moving on, uh, Gary and I have talked a lot about the HBO uh, Music Box series of documentaries. Like we talked about the DMX one. Oh, and, uh, I didn't realize the Kenny G one was out. I thought the preview for that one looked pretty good. 
Yeah, so I watched it. It is so actually all six documentaries are now out. Kenny G was the fourth one. So I'm behind. I haven't watched the last two, but I watched listening to Kenny G, which was actually pretty fascinating. This is probably my next favorite of these so far behind the Woodstock 99 one. I thought this was better than Jagged, the Alanis Morissette uh, documentary and uh, the DMX one, which I can't say that it looked that, that way during trailers. The trailers made because it looks like it deals a lot with one on one time with Kenny G. Um, and he looks like he is just uh, fantastic. He looks like just a really amazing person to be around. That's that's um, the beauty of Kenny G. You're always one on one with he, Kenny G. <laughs> well, the nice part about him in this documentary is that he's pretty self aware of his perception and who he is and what he does and of his critics and that it gets into this a lot in the, in the film is that he considers himself like, you know, smooth jazz or easy, you know, what, what, what do they call it? Like, I think smooth jazz, like, like the easy listening jazz, but he's, he considers his music jazz and there's a lot of scholars of jazz and real jazz musicians that, consider Kenny G's music to not be jazz because it doesn't have a lot of the qualities that true jazz has. And so it really gets into kind of the, the strange middle ground that Kenny G walks between like jazz and pop and kind of doing this pop jazz that doesn't kind of fits into its own category. And Kenny G at the end of the day, doesn't care you know he's made his money he's sold millions and millions of of records he's doing just fine (laughs) you know and he is an astonishing musician like i mean the way that it shows him he's still he's been doing this for so many years and he still practices three to six hours a day and you see him practicing in in the movie and um so anyway i think i think it does a a pretty interesting picture of him you learn a lot more about him you learn a lot more about where he fits in just the sphere of, of the music industry uh, and how he made a place for himself and, and how he's had to adapt to, you know, the streaming era and everything now too. And, and uh, I thought this one was just really a really interesting look um, that, that kind of cha- opened my eyes a little bit more than I think some of the past documentaries have done. So I would give this one um, a strong recommendation of, especially if you're looking to watch one of these, I'd say definitely watch Woodstock 99, but if it's between the other ones to watch, I'd say pick listening to Kenny G. Uh, I, I enjoyed it a lot. So Gary, I recommend, I know you've watched some of these. I recommend you watch it. I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. I'm really um, interested to see that one. And then um, I've talked a lot about the John Carpenter movies. I've been watching over the past several weeks that going through those. And I've watched a few more. I don't really have anything admirable to say. goal. Oh, man. And when you start getting into late Carpenter, like the recent movies I've watched are Village of the Damned and then Escape from L.A. And then Vampires. And I watched Ghosts of Mars today. Boy, oh, boy, I could barely even sit through it. Like, that is a steaming pile. Looking forward to that one. It's uh, it's tough. It was it was tough. Ghost of Mars came out when we were in like junior high, and I remember watching it and it being so terrible that I went and bought the soundtrack like ASAP, and I used to just play the Ghost of Mars soundtrack and laugh at how bad the movie was in my mind. The soundtrack at times in the movie goes hard, well, so the, I can see you getting the album. 
the whole soundtrack is by Buckethead, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, yeah, a uh, bad movie can have a good soundtrack. A good movie probably can't have a bad soundtrack. I feel like that's... Yeah, I think that's probably true. That's right. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know what it is about Mars horror that never works. Like, I forget what movie I was watching recently, uh, but it was, like, Mars and, like, I kind of, like, zombie monsters happened, uh, which was unexpected in the movie. I did not see it coming. And it was stupid. I turned it off. I don't remember what it was. I don't remember what movie it was. Ghost of Mars kind of falls into this thing that happens with a lot of the late-stage Carpenter movies, because Vampires is like this, too, where there's a premise or there's something there that I, I really like. I like the setup, and... Then just some of the ways that it's executed or this just fall flat do they, or don't work. In that movie, do they wind up in like a weird place where like they can breathe or something and like they can see weird stuff? I don't know. Well, I didn't plan on getting into ghosts. Of no, Mars. I just want to know that part because I'm trying to think if I remember the same. One. They're in the process of terraforming Mars, so Mars is uh, inhabitable at this point. Like you can walk around without, you know. In street clothes, basically. I have not seen that movie. Okay. Wear goggles, whatever. And so they, the main plot is basically they come across a group of, like a, a town that these ghosts of Mars, quote, in quotes, have been unleashed, which are basically spirits that possess living people. And then the living people then basically, like, you know start killing people yeah. and they kind of go nuts and they deform their own bodies and they pierce put weird piercings on they make themselves look crazy because they're possessed by the ghosts of mars and I, but the thing is if one of them dies the spirit just possesses somebody else yeah. so it's just this like never-ending saga and it's starring ice cube as the <laughs> he's the like ice cube is the name above the title you know in this film i don't, I don't, I don't know if i've seen this one actually uh, if i ice have cube, i forgot just to just to put this in a small little package for you ice cube on mars versus zombie ghosts with a buckethead soundtrack the movie is exactly those things that i just described to you okay that's fair Jason Statham is also in it, but he's not the lead, and it's before Jason Statham was the Jason Statham that we all know now. You know, the <laughs> accent's still there, but he's not bald-headed. He's got some hair. Uh, <laughs> it was it was interesting seeing him in it, for That's sure. funny. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like Mars movies never really work out. Uh, I just wanted to note that. Yep. And then um, the only other movie that I have to talk about today, um, other than, of course, the Spider-Man spoilers that will be coming at the end of the show. Stay tuned for that. Um, but this is part of Drew's Oscar Minute for the week. Um, I watched a film called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And this mm. is a biopic starring Jessica Chastain as Tammy Faye. Uh, Tammy Faye Baker, I believe, is, is her full name, who was a famous... Her and her husband were very famous uh, televangelists. They started their own network. Um, this was back in, like, the... Gosh, if I have my timing right, like the late 60s, I think, is around this time. And, I mean, this is back when TV was limited, right? There are only a few different stations, and this was a very popular network at the time. And they essentially, you know, bamboozled everybody. They were embezzling money. They were doing all kinds of really despicable stuff. And of course they, they still went do it. <laughs> um, 
And Tammy Faye Baker is known for just a lot of makeup and the big hair and the just, you know, had an, had an iconic, for better or worse, look. And so Jessica Chastain really transforms herself in this movie to play the part. And uh, Andrew Garfield plays her husband in the film, and he's actually a really great performance from him as well. But Jessica Chastain is... Where do we know Andrew Garfield from? I know, right? Uh, <laughs> um, so anyway, but this is Jessica Chastain's show for sure. And it's she will more than likely be nominated for an Oscar for this. This is going to be one of those movies that's not nominated for Best Picture, but her performance is going to be highly praised. And I watched it and I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it a fair amount. And her performance was very good. It's not necessarily a movie that I'm going to tell everybody, hey, rush out and go see this. But if you're, you know, in the mood for a biopic or you're into award season like I am, um, I don't think you're going to suffer through this watch too much. It's it's a great performance, um, an interesting story that I was educated on. Uh, so, yeah, so that's it for Drew's Oscar Minute for this week. That's the eyes of Tammy Faye. And I will pass the torch on to one of you to speak about the things that you have been watching. Yeah, I, I think I want to put some of this on the next uh, thing because I want to talk about The Witcher a bit. Uh, I don't really want to drag it out too much now. But I will talk about Wheel of Time because Wheel of Time uh, is just one episode. One episode happened since last time. Uh, so I've not watched the new one yet. Okay. Uh, so I won't do any spoilers. I'll just talk right. about how I felt about it. I'll talk about my feelings. Okay. Uh, Tell Gary. us about your feelings, John. We need to talk about your feelings, John? Yeah, you, you know, sometimes, sometimes I feel unappreciated. No, all right, so... Uh, Wheel of Time, the new Wheel of Time, Gary was saying that the ones before he was getting bored, blah, blah, blah. This one uh, kind of picks it up a bit. Uh, it's uh, It actually goes places. It actually gets to a thing. I feel like things develop and like they take the first step into the next part which they've been dragging their feet on i will agree with gary that they I, have I understand been that you have to do some plot building, yeah right they've beaten around the fucking bush correct uh, uh, they they i think they dragged their budget out a little bit on those episodes a little bit a little bit <laughs> a little bit i guess amazon was in a spending mood uh they're like fuck it we already spent enough to buy a country on on Lord of the Rings, might as well. Man, man. John, that's a good idea. They should just buy a big ass island and make it a permanent. Well, I mean, they already own America, so why? <laughs> <laughs> why the fuck would they? Uh, but yeah, so um, anything we talk about Amazon uh, Prime stuff, uh, I'd like to start off by saying fuck Bezos. Uh, he's a monster. Uh, but yeah, Wheel of Time. The, this new episode was good. You see some character development. Uh, stuff actually happens. Uh, it actually goes to it goes to the next part. You know what I mean? It goes to the next part in each character's journey, uh, instead of just beating around the bush. And I like it. Uh, and that's all I'll say about it. Since you guys haven't seen it, is this episode six or seven the newest? Seven. One? Are they only doing eight episodes in season one, or is it ten? Do you know? If the next episode is the season finale, I would be upset. <laughs> they have not. <laughs> they are not in a place where they could end in an hour. I'll be pissed. There's nothing they could possibly do in an hour's worth of screen time that would wrap up this season for me. I'd be furious. Uh, but yeah. Oh yeah, also, it's not on my list. I watched the first episode of... I might have watched the first two of The Expanse. Uh, the Expanse Season 6 has started. Me and Gary have a very special relationship with The Expanse. Uh, we did a very long-form 
uh, like 30 episode TTRPG campaign of the Expanse TTRPG by Green Road and Publishing. Uh, and we and did not want to stop playing it. It just became a scheduling issue. It became a scheduling issue. We might pick it up again. They are coming out with a brand new book soon, uh, potentially, that we will talk about in the future. But uh, the season starts out really interesting. Everything is different. Uh, I do give the Expanse credit for fast-forwarding time uh, when they do to just get to the good. Because, like, it really is about the development of this of the system, you know what I mean? Uh, and you have to fast forward time. Uh, it starts off really cool on one of the ring worlds. Uh, you get to see some cool stuff happen there, uh, and then you get to catch up with the crew, uh, and they are on their mission. Uh, you get to see like kind of wartime crew, uh, because if you guys remember, at the end of the last season, uh, stuff happened <laughs> when it comes to Marcos, Naros, and the Free Army, uh, Free Navy. Um, and so they are in wartime mode. They're grizzled. They're tired. They're at each other's throats. They're not happy uh, when we pick back up. They've been at sea for like hundreds of days. Uh, I like it. I'm hopeful for this uh, new season. I think it's the final season. Uh, and that's all I'll say on that. I do have some Hawkeye stuff to talk about, but I was going to talk about that leading into the other Marvel stuff, namely. Spider-Man. Yeah, I was going to talk about some of the Hawkeye stuff too. There are there are season there are there are spoilers in Hawkeye at this point. There are more than one. Um, are you all caught up on Hawkeye now, Gary? Yes, I am all caught up on Hawkeye, and so I'm about to talk about Hawkeye spoilers just for a little bit. So I'm just saying this out loud to anyone who's listening. Spoilers for Hawkeye coming up in all right, three, so, two, one. Uh, Yelena, Yelena's in it. That's nice. Um, and I thought in the in her first appearance, just the the very end of the, of the fight that she was in, I wasn't really stoked on it. I was like, eh. I, I also felt the next, meh. The next episode, she really came in with her Yelena comedy, and I thought really really slam dunked it and took it away. Um, and of course, I am a fan of the Punisher. I'm a fan of Wilson Fisk of Kingpin. That's like my favorite villain that exists in the Marvel verse. Uh, and that, that was one of the ones I was going to mention earlier for the Spider Verse. Uh, you know, he's he's in the middle of New York. He's in the middle of all the things, and so Kingpin is tied to a whole lot of trouble. I also love Vincent D'Onofrio, <laughs> and I think that Vincent D'Onofrio's Kingpin is better than the comic book Kingpin. His Kingpin uh, he, perfect. He read it in a new, amazing, fascinating way. Uh, that I had never read the character or understood the character to be before. And he just absolutely steals the show every time he's on the screen. I can't wait to see more Kingpin. I can't wait to see more Vincent D'Onofrio. Um, rumor has it that Daredevil is recast, so I'd love to see some more Daredevil Kingpin because you can never have enough of that. Uh, and that means that you may get some Daredevil Spider-Man, which could also be a whole lot of fun. So there, I talked about Hawkeye and Hawkeye spoilers. I started off not liking Hawkeye. I watched the first two episodes, and it wasn't... Uh, I thought they... I thought that she, Kate Bishop, is uh, a bratty, rich girl who causes trouble wherever she goes and doesn't think before she makes decisions. And that was my, my, my takeaway from the character. And the character started to grow on me, but she still... 
doesn't make rational decisions and puts people in danger. Uh, so she's still not my favorite character, but that does give her space to grow. Uh, and especially when you pair her with Yelena and they're both kind of funny, Yelena is way more kind of funny. <laughs> and so it's funny to me, it almost puts her in a Hawkeye spot again, where it's like, hey, you're on the team, but you're not the one who can win a fight and you're not the funny one. So yeah. <laughs> you just sit over there and be Hawkeye. Yeah. Uh, but I am liking it. I'm liking it very much. So I love the Hawkeye show. I wanted to say this earlier because uh, Drew was talking about... Uh, you know, Spider-Man getting touched by MCU things, you know, just, like, touched. Uh, and I remember when I was talking about that, the bridge episode of Hawkeye, I said, like, they just, they kiss, they give it a little kiss of the MCU, and it's so perfect. Uh, and they keep doing it, you know what I mean? That's what I love about what they do with the MCU. They have their own stories. Like, this is a Hawkeye... Are you talking about the Bridge of Spies? <laughs> no, the Bridge of Terabithia of Spies. Uh... <laughs> To be specific, but no, uh, the the way that so they they have their own story. Hawkeye is its own thing, is a Hawkeye story. But then just mwah, MCU, you know what I mean? Mwah, MCU, just a little bit, just the right amount, and it doesn't take away from the characters. Uh, and I love I this newest episode was fantastic. Is that the, the 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 bridge scene in Hawkeye with the the Pym arrow? Yes. Uh, it has that, been long enough. I feel comfortable talking about it. Yeah, that was like two or three weeks ago at this point. Yeah, that was dope as hell. That was that was one of the greatest. <laughs> I loved that. It was so fire. It was and fantastic. Drew, you said you've been reading the books, and that a lot of stuff is straight out of the frames. Is that one of the ones that's straight out of the book? No, not that I've seen, but a lot of the things with the trick arrows, and and specifically her making jokes about the boomerang arrow, there is an actual boomerang arrow in the comics, so like a lot of that banter and stuff about the trick arrows, yeah. and kind of joking about the different ones there are, that's all taken straight from the page. Yeah, I feel I feel like the the, the, the Hank Pym and the, the Pym Industries from MCU and the comics is significantly different, uh, and... Uh, that that trick arrow specifically, I, I feel like that's a very special thing because I feel like that was MCU. Like, hey, what if I could throw something at something that makes something big? You know, I feel like that's for visuals in a movie, uh, and I just feel like it works really well. So, um, the only other thing I'll say about Hawkeye, just to add to our little spoiler discussion, is that you know, when Echo was first introduced, mm -hmm. I wasn't familiar with the character, and so I went and looked up stuff about Echo She's just to be like, who awesome. is this? And and if you read her backstory, you find out her connections to the Kingpin. And so like they're those are very closely related characters. And I knew Echo was getting her own series because that was announced on Disney Plus Day. We talked about all the different series. And so, you know, I didn't know if the if they were going to bring Kingpin in. And then there was I think in like the second episode or something of Hawkeye, there's a scene and you see the hand on her shoulder when she's a little girl and references to her uncle. And I was like, that's Kingpin. That's going to be Kingpin. Like, there it is. So I think like everybody was pretty prepped for it, but I had heard some of the talks leading into the fifth episode of, Oh, this is going to be the episode of Hawkeye that breaks the internet and blah, 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 blah. And it was a good episode. There's definitely nothing internet breaking in it. I, I feel this. Yeah, course, definitely the, not. At the, at the end, we get the confirmation that, yes, the Kingpin is mentioned by name and we see a photo. But I was so ready to see him 
Me too. in person that I almost left disappointed from the episode yeah. because just the picture <laughs> was like ah, such a tease. But of course, almost I think we'll get it in, in episode six. But I was oh so happy to see him in that on picture. The, on the subject of the Echo Show, I was actually thinking about that today, Drew. And and I think the reason they called it the the Echo Show is because they were, obviously they're bringing back Kingpin, and they didn't want to totally give it away at the time. But I think that Echo is going to be an Echo and Daredevil show. I think it's going to be about both of them yeah, and Star Kingpin see, as the bad guy. I could see that too, especially with them bringing in Kingpin in Hawkeye. And if they they, it's a really good opportunity to for Echo to bridge more into that kind of Marvel Knights realm exactly and hopefully right. bring in some of those characters. I think that's a, a great point. Bro, um, from they're doing confirmed pretty much every Marvel Knight like. You got Moon Knight, you got Blade coming. Uh, like, I, I don't know. What we don't have is what, Ghost Rider? Yeah, I, I, yeah they, Ghost Rider, I think, was in the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. show. He was. Uh, it was uh, the one with the car, and he was awesome. But I never watched that show, so I just know that. But yeah. Um, I have seen all of it. It, it, it. it has its moments, and you get to see a lot of Patton Oswald, so that's cool. The other thing, if you guys are done with Hawkeye, I'll talk about the last thing I've been watching. Um, this is, I kid you not, this is it for me. This is the best thing that I have watched this year. This is the best thing I've seen in 2021. Um, no one I know has seen this except for Layton. It's called How To with John Wilson. It is a comedy documentary and not a mockumentary, but an actual documentary series and it is all candid. And the guy lives in New York, John Wilson. He's a documentarian. And he walks around and starts talking to people. And then wherever the conversation leads him, he makes a documentary of sort of just what conversations he has that day. And sometimes those conversations lead him to do things like uh, he was talking about an episode was how to improve your memory. And so he's going around talking from person to person on memory tricks and what you can do to improve your memory skills. And then he meets somebody in a grocery store that teaches him about the Mandela effect. And, you know, that's, <laughs> of course, shared forgetfulness, right, among people. And he winds up going to a Mandela effect conference, like getting on a plane, flying to Idaho with this guy. It's like staying down the hall and going to this conference to learn about the Mandela effect. And the whole thing's a documentary. And he... He, John Wilson, the guy who shoots it, directs it, writes it, he is quirky and funny, and his editing is hilarious. Uh, just the cuts that he uses and the time he uses them, like, uh, one of the things is he, the episode ends, and he's like, I'm just so happy to be back in beautiful New York. And then the camera pans up, and it's like 30 trash bags piled up and rats coming out of the trash bags in different directions. And so, you know, he, he's he's funny. He's charming. He's weird. He's absolutely, like, <laughs> I, I, he's socially awkward, to say the best, to say the least. Um, it's, a, it's a very strange day in the life docuseries. It makes you laugh. It, it's, the, the pace is high enough, and he talks to different people and changes topics. Uh, I really think that if you like documentaries at all, especially cultural, social documentaries. I think this is a really cool um, American social documentary of just people on the street and Americans going about their business and how they, you know, respond to each other. 
one of the episodes is how to make the perfect risotto. And he walks out his front door in New York. And <laughs> he's talking, overlaid the camera. And he's like, so if you want to um, uh, make the perfect uh, risotto, just you have to leave your apartment and um, walk down the street until you see an Italian flag. And then you knock on the door. And a guy comes to the door and he's like, hi, um, can I, can you, will you teach me how to make risotto? <laughs> the guy's like, yeah, of course I will. And he turns and looks over his shoulder. He's like, hey, get the pan, get the butter. I'm going to teach this guy how to make risotto. And he just like invites him into the house and starts teaching John Wilson how to make risotto. Uh, and he's trying to make it for his landlord because he loves his 80-year-old landlord. And she helps him do his laundry and he watches Jeopardy with her every night. And <laughs> it's just heartwarming and bizarre in all the best ways. I can't recommend it enough. It's called How To with John Wilson, and it's on HBO. Um, I'm looking, and it says, on Rotten Tomatoes, the first season has a score of 100%. Um, critical consensus reads, surprising, thoughtful, and superbly strange. Hmm. No, yeah. it sounds really good, and I've been really wanting to watch it. Gary keeps telling me to watch it. It uh, is so funny and so weird and, and so informative. It says, a reporter with... Uh, um, a critic with The Hollywood Reporter said that it is... Funny, sad, and in the end, shockingly profound. <laughs> there you go. Uh, they're they're able to say it in much more beautiful ways than I am, but you know I, I can't recommend it enough. And there there is a full first season, which is six episodes, and I think they all run about forty minutes. There is a second season that's ongoing; it's coming out right now, so perfect timing to get into this show, so you'll have more content. Um, the fourth episode of that season just came out yesterday so it came out the 17th it was called how to throw out your batteries and it was uh you know some people don't know should you put your batteries in the trash do you take them to recycling is there a store that takes them so it's john wilson asking those questions he has his bag full of batteries and he's just walking around with them in new york holding them up hey uh do you know who uh where i should take these batteries and most people also have a battery bag and don't know what the fuck to do with batteries. Uh, it's, it's, there's something really endearing. I, I, everyone should watch this if you have HBO. It, it, don't watch it with kids in the room. There's uh, some choice language and there's pretty profound nudity in the scaffolding episode. Uh, no, not the scaffolding episode. The how to cover your furniture episode. Uh, that's season one, episode four. You get to see an entire old man's ball sack and shaft from below. Boy. Uh, yeah, it's everything you could ever want to see for way too long. Um, that's it for me. Those are the only things that I've been watching really this week was Hawkeye, John Wilson. I'm still playing a lot of the same games with Jahan. So uh, no report on games this week. Yeah, I feel like we'll talk more about that uh, on the next episode, uh, which will be timely because people want to hear about games for Christmas. Uh one last thing, because it is time-sensitive, I did want to mention, in case you were unaware, Epic Game Store is giving a game for free a day uh, for a total of 15 days. I believe we're on, like, day three or four. Uh, so get on it. They After the day, that game is gone for free. You can no longer get it. Uh, so each day, one free game, gone the Have next there been day. any games of uh, value in the no. first few days? <laughs> 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 no, nothing good yet. I'm remaining hopeful. Uh, a lot, see, a lot of them were free on Game Pass already, uh, and then the other ones just aren't anything I've heard of. So I'm, I, I don't know necessarily, but 
So maybe it would be a good deal, but we are spoiled by Game Pass. Yes. Uh, speaking of Game Pass, I'll mention real quick. We'll talk about it more next episode. But uh, yeah, Drew <laughs> mentioned in the notes if I was going to talk about the dog shit that Game Pass released this past that week. Was, uh, that was not that was... me. Yeah. That was <laughs> oh, that was Gary. Me okay. Sorry, your handwriting looks the same on the computer. Uh, but yeah, um, Game Pass did release like eight new games. I was like, wow, good job, Game Pass. Uh, they are all dog shit. <laughs> we'll talk about them more later. Uh, I actually downloaded a bunch of them and tried to play, and they suck. I did too, man. I downloaded the Transformers one. I Transformers was Boo Boo. Ben 10 was the Bandits one. Boo Boo. Uh, Alien Fireteam. Huge disappointment. I tell you what is surprisingly good is that One Piece Dynasty Warriors style game. Oh uh, yeah, there is a One Piece game that's free. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty fun. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, you know that that's the deal with Game Pass. They're not all hits. Um, they also released something we will definitely talk about next week: Gunk, uh, free day one on Game Pass. So check that out uh, and hear more about it next week. But. Uh, I think me and Drew still have to talk about something today. Oh, that's right. You guys are. You guys are. I want to see it. I'll see it. Bye, everybody. I'm casual. We'll, we'll send you a note, a text, or something here, Gary. When we're yeah, done. we're we'll gonna. You know. We'll tell you we're gonna break, and then we're gonna come back next week for the Christmas episode. Yes. So uh, I'll join. I'll join you guys. Slash Jahan's birthday extravaganza. Oh, that's great. So I'm gonna. I'm gonna go see Spider Man, and I'll see you guys next week. <laughs> All right. See you next week. Wink, wink. Uh, But yeah, so Gary's dipping out. Uh, So, everybody. Gary has has taken his headphones off. He's giving a thumbs up to the camera. He gave a wave and a raise the roof. And now he's just kind of jiving, dancing in place. He can't hear any of this. He's telling us he can't hear anything. So I think think we're good. I think we're (laughs) clear. Okay. Okay, so. I did say... Uh, there was going to be some warning here. Everybody, this is your notice. We are about to talk about Spider-Man No Way Home. I will give you some time to turn it off. Uh, please do not listen. Uh, you won't hurt our feelings. You listen this far. It's fine. Hit us with hashtag uh, Bridge of Spies to Terabithia, and we'll see you next time. Uh, but if you've seen the movie... Uh, feel free to listen, uh, or, you know, circle back to this part after you have seen it. Spoiler fucking alert. If you don't care about spoilers and and are listening anyway, that's fine, but don't come at me and Jahan on Twitter complaining that we spoiled this movie for you, because we are giving you plenty of warning. You were doing this at your The title of this video is Spider-Man No Way Home Spoilers. So. So, we will go full spoilers... In three, two, one. Oh my fucking god, Drew. What the fuck? This is one of the greatest things I've ever seen with my fucking eyes. And I've seen women naked. Let's let's start start from the top, right? There... Let's go chronologically. There were... There were... No, no, we won't. Because I'll say the biggest thing here first. There were rumors. There was speculation. But yes, we can confirm there are three Spider-Men in this movie. Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield both appear in this movie and join Tom Holland to fight the uh, rogues gallery that that appears in the film. But yes, to your point, Jahan, we will get to that. We can kind of start... 
start from the beginning and, and work our way through, which even still, I'm like, oh, where to start? Um, where to start? So where to start, it picks up immediately after the events of Far From Home. Immediately. Mm-hmm. Like, the next sentence is Spider this, this movie. Uh, right as life is getting good for Spider-Man, uh, his world is brought down. I think, you know, you hear the the Jake Gyllenhaal voiceover over the the Marvel Studios logo and everything to kind of catch you up to speed. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, he he he's it's out there. His his identity's out there. Everybody knows who he is. So, which I think we kind of knew from the trailers that that was going to be a big focus and a thing that got the the story going, and and it does. Um, meanwhile, he's dealing with that and all of his. He and all his friends are trying to get into MIT, and they can't because uh, everybody knows that he's Spider-Man, and they don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I guess. which is under so, fair. Which is fair. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, all there's this whole issue. All the obvious things that are going to happen when a superhero is revealed happen. Uh, he's brought in for questioning, uh, criminal liability, uh, raids, lawsuits, that kind of thing, uh, and then. The thing that gave me chills in the first like five ten minutes happened, right, Drew? So are you are you speaking about his lawyer? His showed up? lawyer showed up. It yeah. was rumored, and the yeah. fact that we saw Matt Murdock, Charlie Cox, uh, makes me feel like we're almost definitely seeing him in literally episode six of Hawkeye. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's happening soon. Uh, Potentially, I think so. But I think Gary actually unknowingly hit the nail on the head earlier. I think there's a good chance. You know, he, he did. I think he did. Um, and But it would be. But what Gary didn't know is that it would be Charlie Cox, the same. Yeah, he said something about recast. It is Charlie. Charlie Cox was fucking there. So, to, but to be clear, he's in about a minute. He's not <laughs> in it long. Movie. But, like, I didn't um, really care that he was in it. I just needed to know that he was in the MCU. And also, it happened before the fucking multiverse fracture, which means that that is... Th- that, that the MCU is... A f- well, maybe not officially. Obviously, it could be a variant of him from a different... You know, this could be just the same guy. But... It seems like this might be the Netflix continuity <laughs> that the MCU is. Well, in. it's and possible. Always, you know, the the Netflix shows were always kind of supposed to tie into the MCU yes. as as a large larger thing. You know, they reference the Battle of New York and things like that in the show. They do, but just, yeah. But I just it became unclear if we were ever going to see a crossover, especially once those shows started getting canceled. But yeah, it was it was cool to see Charlie Cox on screen. This did get an audible. Um, yell from at least one guy in my theater that was super pumped i I had chills like my blood went cold i was like oh my god it's him because like daredevil on netflix is like some of the greatest tv you can watch it's fantastic so i when he appeared it did make me think for a sec like oh is he gonna play a bigger role in this Mm. movie but no the answer is no he's in that scene but it was still cool to see i thought about because we're on the verge you know we're gonna get uh we're going to get Kingpin and Hawkeye. Now we've gotten Daredevil or Matt Murdock in this new Spider-Man movie, which means more potential Daredevil, which is very exciting. Very so exciting. It's just nice to have the seed planted. Um, and then it's not long after that in in No Way Home that 
you know, the stuff that we already kind of knew would happen. That's he eventually uh, Peter Parker seeks out Doctor Strange to try to do a spell to make people forget that he's Spider-Man. And in doing so, it opens up um, basically opens up ways for villains from the multiverse to come into this world. Yeah. And, and so in... uh, a couple of things I like to touch on there. Uh, when I saw Doctor Strange looking like a schlub and all the things and thinking like he was just out of it and like not feeling it anymore. I hated that. I fucking hated it. But then when you see why he's actually dressed like that, it's because of all the snow. You're like, oh, okay, that's way better. You know what I mean? Uh, Which it's funny how there's some like passing like passing comments that aren't dwelled upon, but like Doctor Strange isn't the Sorcerer Supreme, right? right Wong is the Sorcerer. That Supreme? was that was crazy because because Doctor Strange got blipped, so somebody had to take up the mantle in the meantime. So Wong is technically the acting Sorcerer Supreme. I thought that was kind of a interesting thing that was it casually was very tossed interesting, out there. and it makes sense because Wong has been in a lot of the other movies kind of doing his thing. Uh, especially in Shang-Chi. In Shang-Chi, uh, we see him with Abomination. We see him at the end of Shang-Chi in the uh, after credit scene, uh, dealing with Shang-Chi and the Magic Rings. Very cool. Uh, now it makes more sense why it wasn't Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, and then also, I like like the fridge. Uh, I've heard things about Doctor Strange's fridge, uh, and they actually touched on that because he can't eat normal food. Uh, he has to eat, like, magic stuff, and so they they touched on that. I thought that was a cool touch. Um, Which then, I thought the uh, the actual spell itself was being cast, as it was being cast as interesting, because it basically is just because Peter is, like, adding a bunch of variables to the spell of who can or can't yeah. know that he's Spider-Man, and Doctor Strange is trying to accommodate that, that I guess is what causes this the issue with the spell and the kind of the breaking of the world and lay it on me, uh, Drew. Whose fault was it? I mean, you would think Doctor Strange would be answer. able to bust out this spell, but yeah. I mean, I guess he was distracted by Peter. Is that basically what it comes down? That's to? That's what the excuse is. Uh, I like MJ putting him straight in his place about it later. That was hilarious. Mm. Uh, she just straight put him down. That was so funny. Uh, but no, I feel like it's definitely his fault. I feel like he didn't talk to Peter enough about it. It didn't explain things well enough. And then Peter yeah, kind of moves, right? starts rolling. Yeah, and then Peter was understandably panicked about his entire world being turned upside down again for the second time in like two weeks. You know what I mean? And he rambled. Good point. So it's maybe not... Dr. Strange is to blame for just being a little hasty with yes. the spell. For being hasty, arrogant, and pompous. Yes. His, Fair enough. His Fair just... enough. I can't disagree with that. Cool. Uh, yeah, so I loved... And also, I didn't think the spell was going to make sense. It did. I liked it. I liked what they did with that. Um, and then well, you... Well, and... Yeah. You know, because I think... I just want to make sure we're moving through, because it's, it's really easy to, like dwell on a lot of individual plot points but yes. like from here you know it moves pretty quickly because it's not long after that that the first encounter with dr octopus takes place which was place, awesome which was great and then green goblin shows up at the Fantastic. end and in quick succession after that you see the lizard and then sandman and then electro or electro and the sandman and i thought that was really interesting i actually just re-watched spider-man 3 
I've rewatched all of the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies in the lead up to this. I didn't get the chance to watch the Andrew Garfield ones. But um, if you remember Spider-Man 3, it's interesting because Sandman kind of has like an active redemption at the end or he's not like a true bad guy. So I was kind of like, if Sandman's in this, like, how is how are they going to pull that in? And I loved the fact that when Spider-Man is first in confrontation with Electro, Sandman shows up and immediately is like, oh, Spider-Man, you know, I'll help you. Yeah. I thought that was really cool, too. Uh, I thought that was neat. I didn't see Uh, it coming. Um, So that's another thing about uh, Spider-Man's villains. They do... A lot of people try to make villains relatable and that kind of thing. Spider-Man has a lot of villains uh, that are either... It's not their fault. uh, They're sick. Or, like, something went wrong. It's not... You know what I mean? Like, they're very... Like, it's questionable whether they're even responsible legally because of their mental well-being. And I, I, I think that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, and then um, that leads to, you know, we see Peter, of course, wants to help the villains to, you know, basically cure them so that they don't go back to their worlds and get faced with immediate death because a lot of them have died in the past worlds which i thought that was neat that it acknowledged their fates i thought it was cool they're like and then i oh shit i died like i loved that whole sequence and yeah and so that leads to the uh the apartment scene or condo scene where he's trying to help them um that that of course things get out of hand because goblin is not a good guy uh who would have thought you know he acts like he's got his his mind together but he's still crazy bad guy goblin I i think he did have his mind together and then he lost control which um a big plot thing results in the death of aunt may yeah um which she is able to deliver the classic with great power comes great responsibility line. To Did Peter. you cry? I'm not going to lie. I didn't. I did. I cried then. And I cried, uh, a lot more, uh, when he was being consoled by, uh, MJ and Ned. And I think for me, I cried her. And I'll, I'll summarize this at the end, but it kind of gets to some of my, light complaints with the movie and i'll talk about that at the end um because it's it's right after aunt may's death scene that we get the scene that introduces andrew garfield and and toby mcguire into the world because they're you know which um did you know like as soon as the portal opened and you see the Spider-Man in the alleyway, and he turns and you see the eyes i was like oh that's andrew garfield spider-man i knew i didn't realize it was him. I saw the eyes. I was like, nope, that's the I realized I could tell when he walked through the portal because of how tall he was. Mm-hmm. That's when I realized. I didn't really, the eyes didn't do it for me. Uh, it was how tall he was. And let me say this about Andrew Garfield in general in this movie. Andrew Garfield stole the show for me personally in No Way Home. He I was thought really he good. was excellent. And it seemed to me like he really needed or wanted the closure of his own Spider-Man series and was able to get it through this because I think that's the biggest thing with having Toad and Andrew in this movie is that you kind of, you know, the Tobey Maguire movies, they were supposed to do Spider-Man four. They were supposed to 
keep going. And it was studio issues and Sam Raimi had issues with what they were wanting him to do and tracked issues and all that, you know, real life movie studio stuff happened. And so we didn't see a fourth Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movie. And quickly rebooted the franchise with Andrew Garfield. And then those movies were kind of half baked ideas i think in some ways and then underperformed to the box office and then those got canned early too so i love that this was able to give some closure to those two arcs with, with toby mcguire and andrew garfield i think that's one of the greatest things to come from this um yeah because i think those are role i think that peter parker's a role that both of those actors really loved and put themselves oh into. yeah oh so yeah it was probably you know, nice for them to get that closure in their, in their real life, let alone their, their professional lives. So I'll Uh, let you know. So I have a lot of, this is like the part of the conversation I've been waiting for. Uh, I had to bite my tongue earlier when we were talking about the, the earlier movies. Um, it changed, this movie changed everything about how I see those movies. Uh, I didn't realize how much this meant to them until I saw their acting in this movie, uh, until I saw their portrayals, I didn't realize how much it meant to me until I saw them in this movie. Because it did... I mean, I grew up with this, and like it's like somebody wished really fucking hard. You know what I mean? Uh, it's, it's like a dream come true. Um, and yeah, I'm sure uh, you're going to poke some holes, uh, and I'll... I'll I'll see if I agree. I'm not sure I am right now. I'm very, like, just in awe of what I saw. My mouth was open uh, quite a few times, uh, especially, like, the Aunt May thing, uh, the Tobey Maguire thing, uh, just a lot of it. Um, I I loved it. I thought Tobey Maguire (laughs) did really good in this as well. I actually really liked him uh, being back. I love that they addressed uh, his web creation uh, i thought that was really funny um and well, i loved how Toby they McGuire, i just think it's worth noting Tommy mcguire has had pretty much been retired from acting mm. to an extent like he hasn't appeared in a movie in a long time you know in a, in a yeah since like 2014 or something like that like actually physically appeared in a movie and he's done he's been doing a lot of uh producing and things like that so he's he's still working but he just hasn't been doing as much acting. And I think the fact that he essentially came out of retirement, you know, if you can call it a true retirement, but can, you know, came back for this movie, I think shows how big of a deal it was to him. Also, I'm sure he got paid fine for it. Oh yeah. I'm sure it was good. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and so, um, of course this results in the three Spider-Men fighting the, all the, the, villains together um but but one thing you started to touch on is that you know the greatest thing about this is that you get so much banter between the three of them and referencing the things that they've done and seen and the differences between them and it comes across like pretty self-aware of the old movies too like it was some of it's really well done but like not in a yeah not in a terrible meta way like in a very good impressed it was so the writing was spectacular uh and uh the banter part was really funny uh they even did the meme you saw that part right when they did that yeah that was really i was like oh man i can't believe they actually put that in um 
And 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 also worth noting, it's not like what I honestly thought because you know there were the rumors, and I I was I felt confident that they were going to show up Toby McGuire and yeah. Andrew Garfield, but like kind of thought they were going to show up for the the big finale. And, like, they're in a good hour plus of this movie. Yeah. Like, they don't just show up for the end. They come in um, when there's still a good chunk of movie left and really play key part. A huge role. Not so. just in the movie, but in the development of, of Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Like, they really, they really big brother mentor him uh, in so many, in, in, like, profound ways. Like, it was beautiful. Uh, I loved it. See, and seeing them all hug uh, uh, brought a tear to my eye again. I was like, oh, man, this is awesome. And their roles were just well thought out. You know, Toby was kind of the elder statesman of the Spider-Man. And, you know, they even had the references to his hurt back from <laughs> Spider-Man 2 and, and all this stuff. And, um, and Andrew Garfield, they even alluded to him, you know, almost not getting as much a go at things as the others like you know toby and and yeah when they're they're talking about their like what they've done how they've been to space or fought aliens and andrew garfield's like oh, i've never done that i fought a rhino suit guy <laughs> yeah. yeah uh i really liked um yeah and he was they they were so smart with how they wrote him because they wrote him as a man who lost uh the love of his life and he plays that and he does it so well and subtly in a lot of ways. And when uh, when the thing with MJ happens, that one got me too. That was great moment. Oh great my, moment. oh my God! Great moment. That was like a decades in the making. You know, what I mean this this whole thing is a culmination of so much media and just culture uh, uh, that it's mind boggling. Uh, and I I keep talking and I'm like, oh my God, I love this. And I haven't mentioned fucking William fucking Defoe as he's he's fantastic in it. He's phenomenal. He was so good. Him getting to come back and reprise Norman Osborn puts him in that top tier of I mean, he was already up there as one of the better on screen comic book villains ever in, in movies. And he cemented his place at the top of that now having appeared twice and just being so dang menacing and great. He was really good. And, um, yeah, you know, I just, I just think that the fan service, have you seen Ghostbusters Afterlife? No, not yet. Okay. I won't say anything about it, but just all I'll say is that the fan service stuff in this movie is all done really well. It hits the right notes. Um, and that's what I was alluding to earlier to just say that I think that there are criticisms that you can throw at this movie, but most people aren't going to care yeah. because this movie hit the right places emotionally for them. And that's great. This movie did what it's supposed to do, mm. right? It um, left you with those it hit your nostalgia, but it hit it in the right way. And it gave you closure to these characters, but also left it open that if they could play a role in the future, they potentially could. I don't think that they will. I think this really is a, a good closing spot and Me too. Uh, for them. But there were some points in the movie to me 
where, especially in the condo, that maybe it lingers a little too long or it goes a little too long. And I was just finding myself like, okay, like, let's let's keep it moving. But then also, I was in a theater that was not as packed as other theater, as I know a lot of people's experience was this weekend. So for me, some of the scenes that first introduced Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire into the movie really seemed built for the event film scenario built for the fact that you're in a theater captain america catching mjolnir that are reacting to these moments and because i was in a less crowded theater there was a lot of silence during those parts not that it you know it still hit me really well and i enjoyed it but like almost like they Almost like watching a sitcom for TV that has um, the dubbed... No laugh track. But if you take the laugh track out, there's like awkward pauses for laughs. Like it kind of felt like that watching some of these scenes. So it made me think like this is amazing for this event film environment in a theater crowded full of people. But like when I inevitably buy this movie on 4K disc and watch it at home, are these scenes going to play... Yeah. Well, I wonder if they'll shorten yeah. the uh, the the times on those. That'd be interesting. So it's just a little like a light criticism of the movie that like it's almost some of the things become a little messy because I mean it's there's a lot going on in this movie. Like let's yes. be real, it works out really well, but there, it's, at some points the plot gets a little bit messy. Um, and to your point, asking about like who messed up the spell, but even. There was something else. Um, Oh, just like one of the things I didn't really understand and you just kind of disregard it because who cares? Yeah. Who cares really? But like, why would curing these villains make them not die or whatever? If they go back to their worlds, like, is it because them being sane or them being whatever could change their fate like is that I think, so my whole thing things that i didn't really yeah understand my whole can, thing on, on that is that i mean when you think about where a lot of them were uh it depends on if it's like right before because if like the board's already flying at norman obviously he's just gonna die uh but if it's like before that fight even right before that fight it's not gonna happen uh, because in a lot of those situations, including that one in particular, even though Green Goblin killed himself, um, Peter jumped out of the way and tricked him into killing himself. And I think that if they're not forcing the hand of Spider-Man, that Spider-Man won't kill them. You know what I mean? Because he only did it because he absolutely had to. And if he doesn't, right. you know what I mean? And- and so that's why, and that's kind of how I feel about it. Like again, I'm willing to suspend the disbelief, but like those are just some little plot holes that I think can be nitpicked. Again, I'm not yeah. saying like this made. Is yeah, you gave it an eight point five. Yeah, yeah, I still think it's great. I don't know if it's even my favorite Spider-Man movie. Like Ooh. I love Into the Spider Verse. I love it. That's fair. I think it's so great. And um, I even love Spider-Man 2 of the Tobey movies. And, like, this is going to blind a lot of people. That sounds really negative because I don't want to make it sound like people are cheap. But, like, this just hits so many amazing notes that it makes you look past. 
I think it's... the quality of the movie as a whole, yeah. be- there's some really dope stuff in this movie. Um, so it's just, I think it needs to simmer with me a little bit. I think I need to, to see it again. And I need yeah. to just let it sit with me and exist with the rest of the Spider-Man movies. Um, but I think, I just think that a lot of fans are going to be, it's going to be difficult for them to criticize the film or hear criticism of the film because this yeah. just was everything that they were wanting. And that's, and that I get it. I, get I understand it. that for sure. Uh, I definitely am going to be guilty of that somewhat. When I was watching it, I was thinking, wow, this might be the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, I loved it. Uh, but and that um, has, and that's not just you, Jahan. That's yeah. like most of my friends mm. and the people that I've talked to that have already gone to see this. And I think for me, it's just I watch a whole, whole, whole lot of movies. Yeah, I've seen a lot of movies. Fair. I try to watch things with a critical eye. That doesn't mean I can't enjoy a movie. Mm. Like I love as much as I love Drew's Oscar minute and seeing these awards movies or seeing independent movies that nobody else has seen. I love that. I also love going and seeing these big budget blockbuster movies. I love them. I love the MCU. I, there's a lot of cinephiles that, that curse the MCU and the general (laughs) movie making. That's MCU for life. I am not Uh, that, but so you asked me earlier about Endgame versus this, right? So I'm going to have to watch this again. Uh, because, like I said, Endgame, I I know it's coming. I know Tony's going to die. I know he loves her 3,000. You know what I mean? I fucking cry. Every fucking time. I can't help it. Will I have that same feeling when I watch this again? Or was it just because it's the first time? I don't know. Uh, I think that that's... Yeah, I think I'm going to have to sit with it. Uh, maybe... It was just first-time emotional impact. Uh, But maybe it'll stay with me, uh, because a lot of this really touched... uh, Like, I... My inner child, man. Oh, my... Seeing... I didn't didn't realize what seeing Tobey Maguire on the screen was going to mean to me. Because I was a child when that came out. You know, I was like 10. I, I'm I agree, and I think that it's like you know Gary was Gary likes to shit on the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies, and that's fine. Um, there's a lot that you can criticize there, especially in Spider-Man Three, which we've which <laughs> Spider-Man Three yeah. about endlessly by by fans and critics. I'm evil so now. It's not like we need to get into it, but yeah. it's just. <laughs> but, but to your point, like that's this first movie spider-man on screen i saw as a kid you know in middle school who was a huge spider-man fan and i loved the first spider-man movie and i loved the second one and i think that there are things about the third one that are fine but yeah toby Maguire's the spider-man that i grew up with during you know 2002 i would have been what 13 so you know i had toby Maguire as my spider-man from the time I was 13 to the time I was 18. So those are, you know, obviously defining years for me as somebody who's coming up loving movies and defining my, my movie palette essentially for what I like and don't. So it's hard for me to write him off because yeah, I'm, I'm the same as you like in this movie, as excited as I was to see Andrew Garfield, Toby showing up was like, Oh, there's my boy. Like uh, we're back. This is, 
this is just surreal. It was like an out of body experience. It, yeah, it it was transformative, man. It was such a thing. Uh, and to talk about Tony McGuire a little bit more, I mean, I always forget the rain scene where he's upside down and kissing Mary Jane. Right, mm-hmm. that like Iconic. defined romance for me in my life I mean, for a long time best kiss at the mtv movie <laughs> awards this was a big deal yeah no it was i mean it was this regardless of how regardless of the plot holes of this movie i feel that we have to acknowledge the momentous cultural achievement that this is the oh, yeah. the hurdles legally uh emotionally uh just with people being alive and dead, the fact that everyone came back, the fact that they were allowed to do this, because you know how corporations are. Corporations are dicks. The fact that this was allowed to happen is insane. This is a huge cultural achievement. Uh, yeah, and and the fact that we got, you know, we talked about, of course, Toby and Andrew, but then you get Willem Dafoe and Alfred Molina and Thomas Hayden Church and Risa Fons. And Jamie Foxx, and they're all playing the, like, I mean, these, it's just, it's just crazy. I think they all got better at acting, too. And they've thought about these roles for years. And I think the the thing, because you and I obviously could talk about this all night, and I think just to to start to kind of wrap it up, um, the thing we didn't note is that at the end of the movie... You know, the villains do go back to their respective Mm. worlds and everybody on Earth forgets who Peter Parker is. And that's so including MJ, including Ned, including everybody. Peter has no family left at this point. You know, Aunt May has has died. He now has no his friends are gone and they're going to MIT. You know, presumably without him. When he's unpacking in his apartment, did you notice that he had a GED prep book? Oh, I didn't even see that. He he has to get his GED because he doesn't exist. He didn't go to high school. Like so, mm. so basically, he it ends with him, you know, getting his own place in New York City. His friends are leaving. So truly, the slate is completely clean and open. For them to do, it's almost like these three Tom Holland Spider-Man movies were like a a prequel to the real Spider-Man trilogy. We're gonna, they've confirmed he's gonna do at least three more movies. They did. It sounds like, you know, partnering with MCU and everything. So I don't know if he's still gonna play into the big event Avengers type movies and stuff. But right now, the slate is completely open well. for. You know, a Spider-Man story in New York. So it sounds like incredible. It sounds like he very well could because they only forgot he was Peter Parker. Everybody still knows Spider-Man and everything he was involved in. So he still has the Avengers rep. You know what I mean? Uh, And then and then, yeah, the other thing I feel worth mentioning before we go. I meant to say this earlier. uh, The part where they stop him uh, was huge for me. Because, like, they shared this look because they mentioned that they got their revenges. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Tobey Maguire got his revenge. And the look he gives him of, like, I understand and, like, don't, like, he's stopping him from making his own biggest mistake is, it's such a 
crazy situation, and it's so fantastic. I just had to mention it. Uh, and I think the last thing that I want to talk about is after credits, uh, if you don't have anything else. Yeah, yeah, no. So that's. I think that's it. I think we hit everything pretty... Certified pretty Fresh, go fucking see it. If you haven't, if you haven't, why are you listening to this? What's wrong with you? Uh, but, but yeah, and... And so, yeah, so we saw the uh, the scene in the mid-credits that was... Um, Fucking Tom Hardy is Venom! Tom Hardy, which, the thing that you didn't see, which at this point you've already seen this, so it's not really a spoiler to say. So, in Venom, Let There Be Carnage, um, there's, you know, that movie takes place, and then there's a mid credit scene where Tom Hardy is in a resort basically talking to Venom... <laughs> And there's a, you know, something happens. Like and you they, can tell okay. something has happened and he's teleported and he goes into the room, you know, into the bedroom and there's a TV on and it's showing the news reports of Peter Parker is Spider-Man from the end of, <laughs> of our yeah. home. Um, so it's like, oh my gosh, Tom Hardy's in the Spider-Verse. And now we've seen basically the second, the latter half to that segment which is Tom Hardy talking and hearing about everything that's been going on in this universe. Decides to go find Spider-Man. Only to be then presumably teleported back to his universe, but, but not without leaving a tiny bit of the Venom symbiote They behind. introduced the symbiote to the MCU! Yeah. Oh, man. So, uh, another theory that I have... I don't think any of them were teleported to the right place, man. Oh, I mean, it's possible. And then, of course, there was the big scene, the big finale scene where Doctor Strange is fixing everything and you see all the purple, glowy, and figures standing there. I for sure saw Rhino. Yeah, uh, or Rhino silhouette. It looked like a bunch of just silhouettes of, of Spider-Man villains. I'm taking it that that's what it was. Yeah. Well, I mean, because uh, they were only sure people saw... that knew his identity. I'm pretty sure I saw Rhino. I'm pretty sure I saw Craven, um, but it looked like that's what they were, you know, just kind of opening it up to. But yeah. I thought that was was pretty interesting. Um, and then, of course, at the end of the credits, there was not another scene, but instead a, a full trailer. Pretty yeah, it was pretty for, much a full trailer. I was surprised. Yeah, for Doctor Strange, is it Doctor Strange and the multi multiverse? Doctor of Strange Madness, and or, the Multiverse of Madness, or is it Into the Multiverse of Madness? I think it's I And the Multiverse of Madness. I think you're right. Uh, but we see a lot of cool stuff in that. Uh, they, uh, the, his ally from the first movie comes back. I forget his name. Uh, you see Wanda, uh, which we all knew we were going to see. It was really cool. Um, I, I, I just, I, I'm very excited for that one. When's that? February? I think it got pushed back. I'm trying to it see. Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is scheduled for release May 6th, 2022. Yeah. Yeah, man. Uh, so, what a fucking... I was so emotionally drained when I got home. I didn't know what to do, man. I was numb. Like, <laughs> I had seen the top of the mountain and it was fucking good, man. I was like, now I can die. I'm good. I did it. Uh, I was trying to just separate myself a little bit and be like, that was pretty great. Like, I'll do that more. Do I want to, do I want to be hyperbolic? But I, you know, I'm, I need to just let myself enjoy it. You know, see, I, I, I'll be more analytical. My second watch, 
because yeah. you can't you can't re you can't watch it for the first time again, you know. So I like to let the just the you know the blinders just dig in kind of thing, uh, and then I'll analyze it later. I promise to just let people enjoy the things that they want to enjoy, and this is definitely something that should be enjoyed. It was enjoyed. <laughs> it was fantastic. Can we tie? Can we tie a nice little bow on this? John? Absolutely. Certified fresh out the box. Uh, Certified fresh uh, for sure. Fresh out the box. Uh, but yeah, so I'm Jahananon at RockFact on Twitter. Uh, you can also check me out on TikTok at Jahananon1. And I'm Drew. You can find me at Drew Munhausen on Twitter. Follow the, of course, the Fresh Out the Box Twitter account. Follow them on Twitch. Follow them everywhere. They do t- streaming shows that we talk about every week. And uh, go watch them there. And I think that is Yeah, it. we do TTRPG stuff. Check us out. Also, check out Gary. He's not here right now, but he will be back in this uh, the next part. Uh, Gary at CasualtyCDG on everything. So uh, thank you so much for watching. Uh, with great podcast comes great responsibility uh yeah i like the sound of it i like the ring of it